Hey guys, Ryan DeMint from Chasing Happiness Podcast. I hope you guys are having a great day. This week on the podcast, we have Nancy Abramson. And Nancy is a small business coach, but she has so much more in there to provide and help. One of the biggest things that us entrepreneurs, and I say us, we, however you want to say it, we struggle with time and making sure that we can scale our business when we step back. And that's where Nancy comes in. Nancy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here today. You're more than welcome. So could you tell the listeners a little bit about uh, who you are? Absolutely. So short story, I spent more years than I'd like to admit, because then you're going to know how old I am working in the <laughs> corporate My friends laugh. I'm always in denial. I never really know how old I am. So <laughs> in public accounting in and in Boston and then in Manhattan, going back home to New York, working insane hours, public accounting, then corporate accounting and doing what I was expected to do. Like I thought that that's the way life was. I was the poster child for you've got to get good grades in school to get into a good college so you could get a good job so you can work really, really hard and then have your good life later. Living for vacations and when life was going to get easier sometime later, which we're not always guaranteed. And fast forward, I was the CFO of a company. Uh, they brought me in to clean up the house and they went to market and I we were sold for millions of dollars. That was the goal. We were successful in that. And I was burnt out and fried afterwards. And I ended up starting a business, doing something I loved with total freedom over my, my calendar. And I was loving life. And I want everybody to have that as well. So that you don't have to kill yourself working crazy hours and not enjoying your life now because we're not guaranteed a sometime later. This is it. You get one shot at this and that is correct. And, and we all need to, you know, take advantage of that. So let's, let's back up a little bit and talk a little bit about your, your corporate life. So you live to manage your calendar and, and work for your boss or whoever you're working for. Did that spill over to your personal life to where you'd go home and work too? Well, for a big chunk of it, I lived two blocks away from my office. So I was oh, just, boy. yeah. So I was just in my office. And then even when I was not two blocks away, it was pretty common that I would just be sitting at my desk until nine, 10, 11 o'clock at night. I could be looking down a dark hallway and be the only one there or there with my staff. And I was good at what I did, but it just burnt me out. And I thought, that this is the way it's supposed to be. Like everybody in New York works crazy hours. Like everybody in corporate works a lot of hours. So I thought that that's the way it was supposed to be. And I was like, I was comfortable. I didn't mind it. I mean, I minded it, but I didn't think I had any options. I didn't think there was anything I could do about it. And it's, uh, it's amazing that, um, we're taught this in corporate America and how we're, how we're supposed to do things. Cause at the end of the day, I live to manage my calendar too. And, and I don't know if I'm, uh, we had a pre-call a little while ago, but 
I had to ask permission to go to use the restroom at times because I was double and triple booked on on meetings all day from I'd get in about five thirty six o'clock and I would go till six or seven o'clock at night with meetings and it just didn't stop. And then I had to do my normal job in between. And corporate America never taught us how to fish. It taught us to be fed every other week or however often you got paid, but it never taught you actually how to fish. Um, and I think that's that's where a lot of entrepreneurs, when they transfer or they move out from corporate America or, or W-2 job, whatever you want to call it, to being an entrepreneur, it's a struggle because you're not – you have to fish immediately or you don't eat. Right. Well, and I think it, a lot of the entrepreneurs really struggle, especially if they don't have a mentor, if they don't have somebody guiding them. Because there's not a good harmony. You see so many that have really successful businesses and the businesses are growing, but they're after dinner with the family going back to the office and working and working on vacations and they're just churning, but their business is going great. And then you have these other entrepreneurs who have a great social life and they have this great freedom, but their business is chugging along. So many don't realize that there's another option. There's the option C of having a business that's growing and thriving and also having some freedom with your time so that you can enjoy your life. And that's my passion. That's and, my not, passion. and not be married and then not be married to the business. I love it. So let's, let's, let's dive into it. Let's dig into it. So tell the listeners a little bit about what you do and, and let's start talking about it. Let's see what, what can come out of it. Absolutely. Since we're talking about the time aspect, I have my three P's of planning that I would like to share. So first P okay. is power. Exercise your power to say no to distractions and things that don't move you towards your goal. Prioritize, plan the work and work the plan according to what's most important to you. And then profits, actually plan for profits. So if we start off at the top, the power to say no, nice and easy to say, just say no, right? But you can't always just say no to your boss or to family because if you just say no, then you're going to have a fight. So my suggestions yes. and my recommendations are, uh, and I will say that when I was in corporate, I broke a disc in my neck and I was out of work for six weeks having after my surgery. And what I learned when I came back after six weeks away all of those critical tasks that absolutely had to be done immediately were all there waiting for me when I came back. So I knew Oh, very that sweet. When, so when I came back, I was like, all right, I don't want to be like it was before. So one of the things that I learned when my boss delegated things to me and I already had a full plate, instead of just saying yes and walking away with it, I said, absolutely. And I'm already working on this, this, and this. Help me prioritize what would you like me to do because I can't get it all done. And she switched deadlines, allocated to somebody else, communicated to somebody that it was going to take longer. Like now there was a conversation. So the key thing is to respond positively first. You, I'm sure you know with... Interactions with people, if you say no right away, then they get defensive and upset, and now there's a, a fight. But if and you say yes, I want you. to help you. Exactly. 
yes, I'm willing. Yes, I'm happy to do it. And now there's a conversation and there was open for negotiation. It used to work with my mother too and with family members. Absolutely. <laughs> and I got this and this on my plate. I'm not sitting around with my feet up having bonbons. This is what I'm working on. Can you do this? For me so I could do that for you or can we do this tomorrow instead of today can we fill in the blanks and it works it's uh it's it's a daunting task to say the least at times especially to say no um and how do I describe this when you say no you you feel like you are, at least for me, I potentially could be letting somebody down. I, I could be missing out on whether it be revenue, a project, something to that extent, or just flat out, I'm viewed as I'm not the guy that's going to get something done. Um, but that's priorities to me. I, 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 from going from corporate America to being an entrepreneur, I, I learned the triage uh, works very well. What's bleeding the most gets my attention. And for a while that worked. And then I learned that if you could actually take the next level of triage, which basically says, okay, once you've stabilized yourself in, in that situation, you will actually then start working your way down and start making better decisions because you're not in that fight or flight syndrome or, or in that place. And you able, you're able to then prioritize all of your different um, decisions at a better rate. And I think that's where we struggle as entrepreneurs because we're always in potentially in the beginning, we are in a fight to save, to keep the business going because we're at that startup. We're still learning how to fish. We're, we're not saying no. Uh, and we're, we're going after everything that comes towards us. You raised two very excellent points. So first the fight or flight and the reactionary, so many people will just respond and react without taking a deep mm -hmm. breath and taking a step back and saying, is this really my crisis? Is this really for me to do? Is this really, when I say plan the work and work the plan according to what's important to you? Like if it's not in line with your goal, don't take somebody else's crisis on as your own. Maybe it's to delegate to oh, somebody. You know, just because somebody calls and By says, you know, uh, oh, you need to do this or this is last minute, doesn't always mean it's last minute for me. And you have the power to like exercise your boundaries. So how do we work on those boundaries? Because I still struggle with them. I'm, I'm open and honest. How do we work on those? Because those are, those can be painful. Well, they can be. And... The first is to kind of like take a deep breath and take a step, like take a breath and really look, is this my crisis? Is this in line with what I'm working on? Is this really going to move me towards my personal goal or is it only a crisis for you over there? You know, if a client has a crisis, then the first response is, you know, yes, I'm right in there with you. And you get all like amped up and like, but then when I take a deep breath, it's like, well, wait a second. Was it mismanaged expectations? Was it, you know, a miscommunication? What, like, where is the responsibility? 
And then sometimes I can give a, okay, calm yourself down. Let's really look at what the situation is, what needs to be done. And you know what? I'm not available today, but I can help you tomorrow. Or I can help you with this little bit now. We'll take the rest of it later. Or we agreed to this. And where did where did the the breakdown actually occur? And who's responsible for it? How how difficult that is? How difficult is that to work with an entrepreneur? Uh, excuse me, <clears throat> an entrepreneur in that type of situation. And uh, let me back up. I should preface it this way. Typically, when you go in to work with a small business, how seasoned is the business and in, in where are they at in revenue cycle? And I say revenue cycle is, are they stabilized? Um, are they still struggling? Uh, or are they at a point to where they're growing, but they can't scale and that's why they bring you in? I've had a combination of all. I've had okay. new entrepreneurs that are launching their first project and their first program. I've had entrepreneurs that have been around for a while, but not necessarily stable. And then I've had some that have been stable, but at a low level, like um, one of my clients that I worked with, she hired me. She was, she didn't really have a, a business. She had a job because she had one assistant and mm. she and the assistant had to go out and service the clients personally. And after a year working with me, she Unfortunately, got COVID from a client, but couldn't work for two weeks no. and also ran record payroll for her six employees. And now she has two teams that go out independently. She goes out sometimes just to stay current and because she really likes it, but she works in the field when she wants to. So that's great. She's one of my favorite success stories. <laughs> So you're you're going through all that. So how how do you how do you bridge that with the entrepreneur? Because it's it's personal for them, him or her or them. Yep. It's personal. Women. So yeah. how so how do you how do you work with that? And and how do you how do you overcome that? Because for myself, it's personal. And I know I having a coach, I have mentors, I and and I'm all for that. Uh but having somebody dig in um, when you're probably vulnerable. When I say vulnerable is you're at that startup stage or you're not profitable. It, it can be a challenge. I, I've been there before. I've had two failed other businesses outside of this and I'm, and I learned a lot from them, but at the end of the day, um, that was hard. Well, and one of the things that people often struggle with, especially the newer businesses, but I don't think it's only the newer businesses saying no to clients that are not good clients for you. Like so many people think, oh, somebody's offering me money. I need to say yes. Even if your gut tells you, I'm not going to enjoy working with this person. This is not my ideal client. But who knows if there's when the next money is going to come in? Who knows when the next client is coming? So I'm going to say yes, because it's money. And I will say that the... It doesn't pan out. Like know who your ideal client is and who you want to work with. Like the client that I just mentioned, twice she had the energy vampires. Those clients that she said yes to for those very reasons. Somebody said yes, they want to hire me. I'm going to say yes. And <laughs> we had to 
ramp herself up the day before she was going to work with them because she's like, I know I'm going to be working with them tomorrow and I got to get fortified. And then she'd work with them and she'd be so defeated afterwards and just drained. And then the next day is like recovering. It's almost like a hangover that you're like just such energy vampires. And when she released them, the first one was before she worked with me. The second one was while we were working together. As soon as she released them, the universe opened up and she got bigger and better jobs with more people that she loves to work with. So know that if you're doing the right thing and you're doing your job well, if you encounter people that are not your people, just, you know what? I don't think I'm the person for you. And it always helps if you have somebody that you know in your industry that's not like you, that you could say, I don't think I'm the person, but John down the street might be a better fit for you. Here, let me give you the phone number. So you're left looking good, like, okay, I didn't say no. I gave you an option. I just said, I don't think I'm the person. Here's another, here's a better option for you. Don't take on those energy vampires. It's not going to be worth it. So is that a major, is that one of the bigger obstacles that you come across when you're working with an entrepreneur right out of the gates? It, it definitely is a challenge for entrepreneurs. So what do you, what's your big struggle when you say to say no and that you've encountered, you say that you've learned a couple lessons and you kind of alluded oh. to. Oh yeah. It's it, one would be when I was in my corporate world, I would always take on uh, another entity. When I say entity, I mean, as in a department, uh, I was an outsider in my last company I worked at and I had a skill set that most internally did not have. So they hired me from outside. I came in, started up a collections department and an underwriting department for student loans. And then, oh, by the way, let me throw on a back office to you and customer service without even asking. They just said, oh, hey, you know, here you go. I didn't say no, I wanted to take it on. And that was, that was way too much work for myself. Um, I, at that time I was close to 1400, 1500 direct reports, indirect. And then I had uh, six direct reports. So that, that became a daunting task. So being able to take on tasks uh, without saying no, it was a challenge past then. But in my entrepreneur life, I think it boils down to two things. Uh, one is exactly what you said. The energy vampires, you don't want to take them on. We work with cities and some of the cities that we're talking to fall into that category. And if you would have asked me the same question, I would probably say six months to a year ago during COVID when it was at the peak and I was doing a lot of remote stuff and not traveling, I would have probably said the answer would have been different just for the simple fact these cities were reaching out to us when they needed housing at the, at the peak of all this. And I wasn't saying no, because I was like, okay, this is all business. We can, we can do it and make it work. But then when you talk about the financials and knowing your numbers, once you dug, once you, once I dug into the numbers, it didn't make, as I say, business sense or dollars and cents. And I let my emotions take over and I had to back out of a couple cities and just say, sorry, it's just not going to work. And of course they wanted an alternative and there's really not many people in this space that play in this arena for as a for-profit. So I had to give them alternatives, but they were nonprofits and the nonprofits. I don't know how well they did. I've never followed up with them, but 
uh, I can tell you they didn't have the skill set that we had. And that's tough to turn away cities, especially um, ones that are growing, ones that needed housing, ones that needed some infrastructure to where they had an outflux of their citizens. So one is a city that's in Kentucky that has 25, 27,000 people. It's not that big, but 80% of their population leaves. They have major employers. They have, they have GE uh, aircraft engines. They have Carhartt, the, uh, the, clothing, the clothing manufacturer. They have a distribution center for Walmart uh, and a couple large hospitals. And 80% of those employees go elsewhere and they want to keep them in the city. The problem is the city wanted us to do all the work with no, no help. They had zero infrastructure. Uh, we'd have to develop a bunch of land and had zero help. The, that was an energy. And, and to boot it all off, I probably spent 70% of my time working with them without them even putting a nickel on the table to say that they're willing to do something. So that, that was hard. That was a hard one. Well, and you touched on one very important lesson, and this works really well in personal and in business. If you really look, most of the problems that we have in our lives are based on expectations and mismanaged mm -hmm. or unfulfilled expectations. I expected you to do this and you didn't. I ex He expected me to do this and I didn't. I These like unmet expectations. And if we can address that up front, then most of our lives will be so much easier. So, and there is a, a power in saying like, before you get started, okay, so what are your expectations? You want me to do what? You know, there are so many times when um, I taught another course on uh, invoicing and collections. And it all starts with, in the, it starts back in the beginning, like it's amazing how many business owners or people I've spoken to, oh, I got I got a new client, I got a new job, and but they didn't really because it wasn't a handshake that says, Yes, we have a deal, you're gonna pay me this, we're gonna do this. It's a oh that sounds great, or oh that's good. <laughs> maybe you're on the same page, maybe you're not. So, like, really get clear. You know, what do you expect from me? Oh, you want me to do that for you? Well, I'm going to need this much time. I'm going to need this. I'm going to need more money for staff. I'm going to need this. Like, have the conversation up front. It might be a little uncomfortable, but it's way easier in the beginning than after things start going off the rails and trying to have the conversation later. Oh, by far, I totally agree. The typically when you're working with a city for at least for us, it's um, it's about an RFP and they didn't have an RFP or any type of documentation. So it was like pulling teeth to get the information out. Um, but the other thing is they were, were a referral from another city that we do business with that is a great client that had an RFP process and they weren't energy vampires. Uh, so I had to go through a little bit of it before I had to say I can't do it. And, and that's just, that's just life in general, but how many, and I I've got to ask how many entrepreneurs out there are basically doing business like that? What you just described as in, you know, I've got a new client, Oh, potentially got a new client. 
they're not locking up their clients with contracts or anything to that extent. I mean, how often does that happen? Because I don't hear about it now that I'm not in the corporate world. Um, I'm just curious, to be honest. A lot more than you would think. It's actually pretty surprising to me. What what type of industry are they in? Um, it's been a variety. I actually have a client that oh, had that bought into a practice without a contract. Like bought into another whole company. Uh, when you say practice, we talking law practice, medical practice, medical practice. Yikes. Wow. So, okay. So there's and a, this, this happens. Go ahead. It happens actually not to that extent, but it happens quite often where people don't, Oh, you know what? I trust this person. I got a good feel. So we do a handshake. I don't need to spend money on an attorney and it's, a lot more common than you would think. That's interesting. I, I, I didn't know it happened that often. That's wow. I'm, I'm, I'm astonished. All right. So <laughs> on to, <laughs> on to more. <laughs> so you're, you're in working, you're in working with the entrepreneur. Um, what would be some nuggets you could share with the audience about, things that you see in a business that potentially could help entrepreneurs that haven't used your services yet? So one of the things that you touched on before is I teach them to know their numbers. And it is shocking to me how many people are behind, that don't really know, that don't know. In, I, I, I'm clear that this is not you, that you, you are very... Um, you have a good working relationship with your accountant and you are clear mm -hmm. about all the money that comes and goes. But so many people, it is, it's disturbing how many people operate their business based on how much money they have in the bank account. Oh, there's money in the account. I could spend it. And they operate that way. And it's, they're so busy doing the thing that is making them money. The, the thing, the, the thing that they're in business to do that the bookkeeping isn't that important. And if they're working really hard, then they're making money, that they just know that the money's gonna be there. And I will say that I fell prey to that too. When I, that first business that I formed after the, the company I was a CFO got sold, I was loving life until for a while. And then the economy changed and I wasn't watching my numbers. I was just, really happy making my products, selling them, going out and selling, selling, and then sales started to slow down. And I didn't watch my numbers and that number and that business didn't survive. So it's, and I do have a free gift if people want to go to empoweredwithnancy.com slash free gift. I have a brand new report that I generated three crucial numbers to measure for a thriving business and more free time. So feel free. We will definitely put it in the show notes and we'll make sure we share that out because that'll that'll be great. So when it comes to the numbers and, and knowing what comes in and goes out, what would be two takeaways or two nuggets that listeners could actually make sure they're on top of their numbers 
know what's going on and effectively manage their books. Great. Okay. So top two. First one, budget is not an ugly word. There are so many people, <laughs> so many people, and you say budget, they're like, it's whether it's restrictive or it's hard or I don't, you know, whatever the, the feelings around it. All a budget is, is if things go the way you plan, will you make the money you're expecting and will you pay the, the expenses that you're going to expect to pay? And at the end, is there a profit? So if you do a budget and a simple way, especially if this is not your first year in business, take your financials from last year. Take what you did last year and just line by line. Do you expect to make more than last year? Do you expect your phone bill to be the same? Do you expect your internet to be the same? Do you expect this? If you expect it to go up, do an extra whatever percentage. There's your budget. And if you keep tracking against it, you'll know if you're on target. If And if you do this up front and you do your estimate and you don't like the bottom line, it hasn't happened yet. So you have time to, to pivot and to make some changes. So if you don't like the number, oh, I'm going to need to sell more. I'm going to need to double down. What am I going to need to do to generate more sales? Hmm. Maybe there are expenses that I can cut so that I'll have the profit that I want. Where can Where is there room to negotiate a different deal or where can I cut? Like this is giving you the what I think might happen. And now you still have time to change what actually does happen. I love John. So Maxwell. how often? Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, I love John Maxwell's quote that a budget is telling you money where to go instead of wondering where it went. Oh, that's a great one. I like that. It's good. And I retweet so, that a plan is telling your time where to go instead of wondering where it went. Hmm. Boy, you, you've got all these little tidbits now. I like this. This is good. I'm a, I'm, uh, I'm a woman of action. I like things like I'm, I'm a goal getter and I like to make things happen. So I got lots of tidbits and tips from you. <laughs> we like nuggets. Those are always the best. Yeah. Uh, so I, I know for myself, I, I don't look at my books every single day, but I, I'm pretty active in them. I'd say at least two to three times a week. Um, I'm seeing what's going in and going out and, and what we're doing. What could be, and I know you got a top two, but I, I just want to finish out this one. What could be an effective way for that entrepreneur that doesn't know their numbers to really kind of start managing it and getting hands on? Me personally, having a CPA involved, accountant, whatever you want to say, somebody that can help you with the books on a monthly basis is 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 invaluable. I I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have a problem uh, saying that it's probably one of the most invaluable tools I have because they're watching the books too. The key word there is to. I really caution yes. people to not pass it off to them and wash their hands of it. So many people like, uh, oh, they're taking care of it. Yes, they could take care of it, but you need to understand the story that your financials are telling you so that you can take actions. Like they could be doing a lot of the work and the bookkeeping. You have somebody else that's putting in all of the transactions, but you don't be so detached from it. Really 
understand the story it's telling you and, and know your numbers, know how to read it. Even if you sit down with your accountant and say, explain this to me, what are the things? Because you, you can look in history and in the news, all those people that they're trusted people swindled all their money because they weren't looking. They just trusted and didn't look. Don't, don't be. Uh, I go a step further. They can look, but they cannot touch. <laughs> I, I, there's only, there's very few people that can get into that bank account and they're not one of them. So I, I've always made that clear and that's just how I live life. So that's, it is what it is. Um, what's nugget number two. So one of the, the crucial numbers that are in that report, number one is gross profit. So to really understand and look at your gross profit. So if you take the revenue that you're making on your sales and you subtract the expenses that are related to those sales if you're making a if you're selling a product the cost that occur, that it you incur to make them to get the raw materials to you if you're selling a service what are the things that you need to deliver that service so only directed to, directly related to your sales and you take the revenue minus those direct expenses that gives you your gross profit. If you're not making a, a decent gross profit, then you have options. If you're not making a good gross profit, your business won't survive. So you wanna look. And if that number isn't positive, you want at least a 20% gross profit. So you wanna have, um, and you could have a dip little bits like, all right, it's a slow month. It could be seasonal, but overall, if you're not making money, you do have options. You can raise your prices, which can be scary for some people. And I help my clients raise their prices so they're charging what their value is. You can cut mm -hmm. some expenses or a combination of both, but it is definitely important to know that number and to look to see if you're pricing your products or services for success, for your business to thrive. And that is basic business 101, but that's just me. I mean, if you're going to sell a product or a service, you need to know how much it's going to cost to produce those things and then be able to put them out the door and understand, I don't know, I'll be quiet on that piece. It's just that well, I, you're, you're, you're telling, so it's not, you're, a, you're telling me a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with that. Or what they're including is their price, or their cost rather. So like, for example, I, I also have a passion with photography and my dad got me into photography as a kid and we started selling my pictures uh, and got into a side business several years ago. And he would, he would get so excited when we would sell a picture. He's like, oh, I just sold a picture. And I was like, great, what'd you sell it for? And he would tell me, and he's like, yeah, that's more than it cost me to make it. But I'm like, but you, the, it took a long time for, to work through that process of, it's not just ordering the, the print or the, the picture on metal or the picture on canvas. It's not as, that's not the only cost. There was the cost, your time involved in taking the picture or my cost, time taking the picture and then editing it and then sending it out. And there's overhead that gets associated with it. Like the, 
the fact that it cost us, you know, twenty dollars to order the print and you sold it for fifty or for forty, it was like okay. Sometimes it, there wasn't that much. I'm being generous. A lot of times it wasn't that much. <laughs> <laughs> so there are a lot of people that are just a little narrow-minded as far as what they consider expenses that they have to cover. And then you've got the overhead of you need, your revenue has to be able to cover a piece of your rent and your utilities and all of the other expenses. It's got to support. Oh yeah. I mean, it, it, it does. Exactly. I guess it's back to what we kind of started to talk about. And I guess I can go a little bit further is, uh, we didn't learn a lot of this in school. School's right. just the basics in, in, you know, ABCs and one, two, threes, but it, we're not taught how to manage a, 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 a business or to manage the finances, to manage the, you know, the P and L and the balance sheet and the operating, you know, budget. I mean, there's just so many things that go into it. And that's, that's what I was saying earlier is corporate America never, at least never taught me how to fish. And over all those years, I, I had to learn. And it was, I was pretty worn out after four years, almost five years of side hustle, working 60, probably 60 or 70 hours in my full-time job. And I'd come home at night and work on my side hustle job. And I think if I didn't do that, I, I wouldn't have been where I'm at today with this business because I learned from my prior two businesses. But I also learned a lot more from just doing the side hustle. The whole piece about putting all your costs in of, of time and effort, I wasn't doing that in my first two businesses. Yeah. I was just taking hard costs and that was it. And that's something I should have known already. But I was like, hey, it's just me. Don't worry about it. We'll figure it out type of thing. I wanted to make sure all my other costs were taken care of. And that was it. Nope. I never put in my own hard costs. And that I see where you're coming from. It, it's 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 tough. Um but entrepreneurs not being able to take care of their books and understanding where that goes. I mean, that's just a huge, that's a huge gap. I mean, that that's scary to be say the least. Yeah. Well, and I met a gentleman who started an online business academy for that very reason that you just spoke about. We don't learn how to run businesses when we're in school. And I will give you the link for that too. It's the Brio Business Academy. And I am fortunate enough, I was one of the instructors. So I taught a course okay. on invoices and collections, but there are, uh, it's like a Netflix type of structure. And there are a bunch of courses, everything that entrepreneurs need to build a business. There's the accounting, there's marketing, there's er, soup to nuts. So you can take a look. And that might fill in some of those gaps too. We'll have to put that in the show notes. So we'll get that and put it in there too. That'll be really good. Absolutely. All right. Well, it's, it's been great having you on. I, we didn't mention your website and I want to get that out there. Also, if they, if entrepreneurs want to work with you or small business owners, how can they get a hold of you? It is empoweredwithnancy.com. And there is a link to okay. book a call. You can, if you have a question, the free, the first call, we can have a discovery session to see, and that's complimentary. Okay. Um, and I will put that in the show notes so people have that also. And 
we will definitely have you back on, but we'll be talking about having you come on Chasing Financial Freedom, the other podcast, and we can share some other nuggets and some tidbits, which I would look forward to. That would be my pleasure. Thank you so much. This The time went so fast. This was such a pleasure chatting with you. Great. It was great having you on. It was great information. I honestly did not know there was that much struggle on the front end with entrepreneurs. And I, if we just touch one entrepreneur, I'm happy because I want to yep. see as many entrepreneurs, small business owners succeed. Me too. So All right. we'll but, keep the conversation let's, going. Let's, let's go make a difference. Thanks for being on. And yes, we will. My pleasure.